this is the education show unlocking opportunities in teaching and learning through collaboration proudly brought to you by zabuza.net once again it is another edition of the education show as we approach the end of the year with dizzying speed um i'm still pinching myself continuously going what wait what hang on i and i haven't got but anyway enough of me i have a very very special guest today um, one who I've been looking forward to speaking to for a while now, um, just but getting him, getting him to have some time to speak to us is a challenge because he's a very busy man. Who is he? He is Professor Jonathan Janssen. Hello, Prof Janssen. How are you? All good. Thank you very much. And thank you for inviting me. Wonderful stuff. So going forward, um, if you don't mind, we'll just call you Jonathan and, and keep it real and keep it relaxed. Yep. Right, so let's start off at, at, at the beginning and let's get a pricey version then for people who may not know who Jonathan Janssen is. Um, I, I was looking up uh, the other day and doing some research and trying to find out a little bit more about you and you have crammed a lot of stuff and living into your lifetime. So, so talk to me because, wow, <laughs> that's all yeah. I can say. Well, you know, uh, a fairly ordinary life, uh, but one that I've enjoyed enormously. Um, I'm the son, the eldest son of Abram and Sarah, and believe it or not, that's where their names, biblical names. And uh, I was born in Montague, grew up on the Cape Flats. Um, uh, uh, my, you know, started off very slowly in school and, and picked up because of teachers that inspired me. Did my first degree in the sciences, the biological sciences. Decided to become a teacher, high school teacher. Enjoyed that enormously. Had an opportunity to, to study uh, in the United States, did my postgraduate master's and doctorate there, East Coast and West Coast. And then came back in 91 uh, with, you know, just as the country was opening up uh, and uh, threw myself into education and development. Uh, uh, and then for most of my career, uh, working in universities, you know, as a professor and vice chancellor and, and a dean and other things. Wow. What can I say? That That is a lot. And, and you really have glossed over it because um, you're, you've got uh, degrees in, in botany and something zoology. else. Zoology. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now, where did this love of learning come from, Jonathan, because you must love learning. Now, yes, but I didn't. <laughs> I, you know, the other day, my, uh, because we're moving house, uh, some of my report cards fell out of the box, you know, from primary school. And there was my standard two report cards saying that I was 21st in class, placed 21st out of 28 kids. <laughs> and, uh, and the teacher, um, uh, I wrote in you know, a comments to my parents, you know, uh, that my my writing needs improvement. <laughs> so, so things, uh, you know, you. I always tell students when I try to motivate them to say, you know, an old woman in Portobello in the Free State told me once, you know, not all kittens open their eyes on the same day, and it's such a powerful metaphor for for a life in that. You know, not everybody starts off well uh, and fast. And, and so be patient with yourself and work hard and, and things happen. 
So it was really because our teachers, particularly uh, a Latin teacher I had in junior high school, who uh, told me that I was, you know, talented and wasted my time and that I could do better. Nobody told me that before. And that had a huge impact on me. And from that day onwards, um, uh, I started eight. I never came second in class ever again, you know, whether you or anywhere else in the world. And, 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 and the point about that is not that I'm smart. The point about that is that everybody's smart. And all you need is for somebody, you know, teacher, you know, pastor, uh, uh, uncle, aunt, somebody to just tell you that you can and that, uh, and so on. And then I was just a bit lucky to, along the way, have met uh, individuals, you know, particularly my best friend growing up, who, I mean, we studied on a Friday night. I thought that was a joke, you know, so I went there to study with him, but I fell asleep and I told him, wake me up every hour when you take a, a donut break, you know. <laughs> uh, and then, but later on, I said, well, I might as well set up. And I then started to enjoy it, you know. And I enjoyed the reading. I enjoyed solving, you know, chemical problems in, in organic chemistry. I enjoyed, uh, you know, as I went from education, from, from science education to social sciences, started to enjoy trying to figure out things, you know. Uh, and the life of the mind has become, I mean, I, I always say to people, you know, I don't mind going to prison. Just give me a laptop and a book. And I will be happy <laughs> because... Uh, the the enjoyment of, of literature, the enjoyment of, of debate and discussion, the enjoyment, as I said, of solving, right? Take Phoenix, right? I know for the fact that what happened in Phoenix with that uprising in July is a lot more complicated, a lot more complex, a lot more interesting intellectually speaking, a lot more scary, obviously, socially speaking. Uh, than what you get in these rapid fire media reports. So, so that's what I do these days, trying to figure out why universities don't work, how we can improve schools, and how we can take the enormous potential locked up in this country to, to, to other levels. So that, as I said, that thing I call the life of the mind is enormously enjoyable for me. And, and I try to write books, as you know, in order to give expression to some of those ideas. Which, which I think is wonderful, Jonathan. And, and you, you've touched on, on one of my passions because I've seen a lot of my peers and friends and people I know that have gone, this country is going to the dogs, we're leaving. And I believe passionately in this country. And I believe passionately mm. in the people of this country and yeah. in our youth. And, and I'm glad you said you're looking at why um, universities aren't working or, or mm. things like that. Because back in the old days, it was shortly after the Oxwagon times when I was in school, um, you know, you, you were taught parrot fashion and all you had to do was regurgitate the information. If you're good mm. and you could do that, you were clever. If you couldn't, then you were automatically marked as um, different, other or broken or something like that. Now, I've grown up with, with several issues around learning and uh, that was never, ever addressed. And yet, one teacher, my English teacher, turned around to me one day and said to me, what happens if you think about things like this? You are good enough. You have potential. I flew through English, loved English, purely mm. because of that one teacher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, rest, the rest of the subjects, not so much. You know, I mean, mm. um, accounting to this day, 
I still can't do this accounting thing because debits and credits don't make any sense to me. <laughs> but I have also managed by trying to learn my style of learning, I've right. managed to also be, you know, I, I have a love for learning and reading these days. And, you know, when you, when you consider I started out uh, and I am dyslexic and I had a speech problem and all sorts of things, you know, the fact mm -hmm. that I love reading today is testament to that very same teacher. Exactly. Um, so, I'm glad you do that, but you, you, you've somehow with all of these responsibilities that you have, you make time to write. And some of the things that I'd like to just chat to you a little bit about is, you know, we have been through a pandemic. We are still going through a pandemic, um, despite the fact that we would like to stick our heads in the ground and pretend it's not happening anymore. Um, it's still very real. And, and both our educators and our learners have been through the most incredibly tough and trying times. And a lot of them are, are bearing the scars for that, but a lot of them also managed to succeed, both from the, the teacher's perspective and the student's perspective. Um, here at home, um, we had uh, my, my fiancé's daughter who had to go through matric um, last year. And yet, despite everything, with her teachers and herself and her commitment, she managed to get through and she did exceptionally well. Where do we stand in terms of this? Are, are people still, um, dare I say, traumatized as, as I believe they should be? Yeah, there's two things, very important things to take away from the pandemic so far. The one is that the learning losses, um, uh, the amount of time lost uh, to learning, is devastating. And we will only see the effects of that in the years to come. Um, it's obviously much worse for, for children who did not have access you know, to online or, or real-time teaching uh, and learning from home. Uh, but that across the world, even a country like the Netherlands, they reported that kids lost a fifth, one fifth of learning time you know, since the pandemic. And, and imagine a country like us where 70 to 100% of content, you know, was lost in teaching since March of last year. So, so those things you don't see immediately. You see that as children, you know, generations of now show up without the foundations of learning having been established. But there's a second part, apart from learning and losses, and that is the impact on the psyche, the impact on the emotions, the impact on the psychology, the mental health of both teachers and children. And that too is something that will uh, manifest itself in the years to come. So we, 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 the world, it's not just South Africa, obviously, the world is in, in, in a very difficult situation at the moment. And South Africa, as you mentioned before the show, you know, with these new variants and, uh, uh, and stuff, uh, there's two other lessons here. The one is that this virus is not gonna go away anytime soon. We're gonna have to learn to live with it. Um, and and the second thing is expect more lockdowns. Mm. Now, Jonathan, let's let's start off with with maybe some advice for the teachers who are listening to this podcast. Hmm. What would you say to them? Because these are, are are special times, and I mean South Africans, especially South Africans, we are incredibly resilient. But you know, hmm. nobody's been through anything like this before. I know our teachers have been under immense pressure, purely because 
you know, as, as parents, you're quite used to packing up your children in the morning and sending them off to school and making it somebody else's problem for the next eight or so hours. But, uh, mm. you know, I think there's been a newfound respect for teachers after all of this mm. uh, learning from home. But what do you say to our teachers? I think the first thing I say to them is um, uh, invest in yourself. Your ability to teach and to teach well depends on taking time out, depends on restoring your soul, depends on, on just getting back the energy. Teachers are absolutely run down and burnt out across the world and in South Africa because they've worked harder than they ever have before as they try to, to compensate for, you know, the, for distance uh, teaching and learning. And so across the country, I see enormous stress and moment. I mean, some teachers have left the profession. Some have died because of COVID. People have seen their colleagues go into, you know, become ill, go into hospital, and sometimes die. Those are huge impacts on teachers. And in the meantime, we're trying to catch up, you know, uh, on the CAPS curriculum. So I say that's fine. I suppose this is the reality everybody deals with. But you can only give to the extent that you've received. You can only help others to the extent that you help yourself. And so um, all my workshops I do these days with teachers is about mental health, so emotional health. Because you know, uh, mm, that is, I think, I think that is incredibly important. And it's across the board. I mean, especially for teachers, but across the board. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you need to take time out to acknowledge what we've been through to acknowledge mm. the pressure, the losses. And like you say, make time for yourself. It's that glass, mm. glass half full, glass half empty story. You know, if you've got nothing left in the tank and you still keep on trying to flog mm. the dead horse, uh, yeah. it's, it's not going to happen. But now so many times, and I've, I've spoken to uh, a friend of mine a little while ago as a teacher and I was saying to her, what, you know, you need to kind of relax. This is what we see. And the answer I get back is, but I can't. There's no time for that. All I've got to do is just keep on pushing, keep on focusing, because I've got my learners to think about. Um, mm. Is that a double-edged sword? Well, you know, I, I, I think I, I can guarantee you, if, if, if you go with that logic, as much as I admire the commitment to, to education, the youth and so on, but if you, and I speak here as a type A personality, I speak here as somebody, somewhat hypocritical. Who, who doesn't put enough time aside. But, you know, I know my body. I know my, you know, now. So I know when I am facing danger in the danger zone. And then I just stop. And then I say, this weekend, I'm not touching the book. I'm not touching, uh, you know, the laptop. I'm not touching any serious academic work. I cancel meetings sometimes. When you feel that, because I've been there when I was young, you know, and I had enormous stress in my life. I remember I was out of position months and I have to see doctors and all of that. So none of us, no matter how strong you think you are, can just run on empty without you know consequences. Mm, absolutely. I would agree with you 100 percent there. Now Jonathan, the other side of the coin though, and I want to touch on this briefly um, and then get into some of the books that you've you've written to address these issues. But the other side of the coin is is naturally our learners because you know, they've also been thrust into this whole new world which nobody was prepared for. No, absolutely. And, you know, we have to be gentle and kind and generous with them as well. And so instead of trying to force feed them the overloaded caps curriculum, 
I think, by the way, one of the best things you could do is to capitalize on what we've learned from since March last year, and that is that instead of having this loaded curriculum, how about we focus on key concepts, key methods, key experiences, and reduce the enormous amount of overload, you know, in, in, in the official curriculum. That is something that I think would relieve children from, you know, having to concentrate on coverage rather than competence. And it would also help teachers, as you can imagine, you know, from the space of to cover everything. So, uh, this is an ideal time. I think the life sciences curriculum, for example, or biology is the goal of dynamics. You know, there's absolutely a need to reorient that curriculum uh, in line with, with, with pandemics. Children need to learn a lot more about pathogens and, and, and how they work. They need to learn about biology. They need to learn about vaccinology. Not with all those big words, but, you know, obviously it's kids. But in order to understand that simply going through the life cycle of the firm for, for the 50th year in a row, stuff I taught, you know, is, is just senseless. And so, but that's also true for history, that is true for geography, that's true for your favorite subject, English. How can we revamp the curriculum so that it doesn't have these kinds of uh, negative impacts on children? Yeah, you see. And I'm, I'm, I'm really not qualified to talk about this kind of thing. But from my experience, when I was at school to date, teaching hasn't really changed. And my biggest challenge and frustration was always, why? Tell me why I'm learning this and show me how it's going to have impact in my life. Because, hmm. you know, it doesn't matter if I can describe the, te the taxonomy of a fern if you don't explain to me why I'm learning it, okay? Because then you just, in my case, I was just, you're wasting my time. And, you know, it's easy for me to sit on the sidelines and go, education is broken. Um, but, you know, we've got where we are. And I think South Africa is fairly progressive. Are we, are we moving towards more, oh, what is the correct term for this? Um, more, more holistic learning? No, we're not, you know, because... Um like education school systems around the world, we tend to do what we've always done, even though, you know, the world changes dramatically around us. You know? So every now and again, the president or some energetic minister would say, we're going to do coding with kids, you know, and we're going to pop industrial delivery. They're not thinking, you know, I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm just saying, instead of just every time there's some, some kind of... Uh, uh, you know, change in the world, we react in a knee-jerk way rather than in a systematic way. And so... Where do we go, Jonathan, if, if, okay. if the, the life is, is, is currently as it is an education system where people are, are sort of, you know, going, oh, this sounds like a good idea. Let's do that or let's do that. Where, where do we stand? Well... We fortunately, we've there's huge amounts of learning that's happened as a result of this pandemic. The one thing we've learned is that the only, I mean, we always knew this, but what's more visible now and more and, and became exacerbated under COVID is the fact that our school system is highly unequal. How are we going to deal with this? We've got to look forward and not just try and catch up. Our ideological sort of, uh, you know, inclination is to catch up with what we must. What we need to do is catch forward what needs to be. And what needs to be is providing uh, children in the 80% of schools that are dysfunctional and that don't have the kind of infrastructures, technological infrastructures for 
continued learning that we shut down is to build those infrastructures around schools. It's going to cost a lot of money initially, but in the long term, we begin to claw back, you know, uh, uh, whatever was lost both, uh, in terms of learning and in terms of uh, opportunities. So for me, that is the big thing. The question is, do we have a government that thinks like that? And they don't. And the reason they don't is because their kids are in the 20% of schools that work. And so they don't care down about the children of the poor. That I have, it's a difficult conclusion, but I figured that out eventually. Why would you not care about kids that are not imperfect kids? Why would you not fix the bloody problem? It's because you don't care. And, 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 and you're okay. And so part of what we need to do as activists, as parents, as communities, is to insist that my child is not safe until everybody's child is safe. My child can't go forward in learning until everybody optimizes the opportunity to learn. And so that's what I mean by imagining forward what we need to do as opposed to playing catch up all the time. I would agree with you 100%. And, and I mean, for a long time, I was I felt like I was a lone voice wailing in the wilderness going, but what about the people that don't have access? And, yeah. you know, even, even a lot of the people that do have access, maybe they've got, you know, a, a very sort of basic smartphone, or maybe there's a, a tablet or something, but phones are more likely. They can't afford the data. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, hang on a second, surely somewhere along the line, we can make data for education free of charge. That's a start. But uh, I suppose we can we can sit and complain about the things that don't work. But let's get on to some of your books, because I'm still amazed that you find time to write amidst everything that you're doing. Um, there's there's two, two sort of sides that I'd like to talk about. The one is, you know, learning during a pandemic. What are the titles of, of the books that you've got out? Just so people can have a reference and go and check out those books. Uh, yes, the one is Learning Under Lockdown, um, and that's available at CNA. That's about, you know, 400 children's voices about the experiences of trying to learn in the lockdown. Then the other one is uh, Teaching In and Beyond Pandemic Times. That's about teachers' experiences, and then we have 40 teacher voices, which is fantastic to read, not just about the struggle, but also about the innovation. Uh, uh, in teaching during those difficult times. We've got one on principles coming up and one on, uh, on parents. Because remember, parents also were forced to help teach kids <laughs> from, from a distance during the lockdown. And by the way, just as a footnote, I'm also uh, a co-author with some colleagues for a book on nursing, uh, uh, the experiences of nurses during the pandemic, and that will be coming out through Jonathan Ball in July 2022. So yeah, so you know, in addition to the academic books, which are the more theoretical, you know, stuff, um, I just felt in March last year, I also needed to work more on books for the general public that give people an opportunity to, to see themselves in books, to, uh, to, to express themselves, their concerns and their hopes, and that applies to teachers, principals, children, and as I said, now we have one parents and nurses as well. Which I think is, is brilliant. Now, now, these books, are they available? You said that you mentioned CNA, but it, at good bookstores, let's put it that way. Are they available online at all? Yes, so, so it depends on the book. Um, so, uh, uh, as I said, uh, Learning Under Lockdown, CNA. 
mm-hmm. teaching pandemic times African Sun Media online, African Sun Media, ASM online. Um, the nursing book, as I said, uh, will be with Jonathan Ball, and that will be in exclusives and those kinds of bookshops. And the other two, I'm not sure yet who the publisher uh, is going to be, so, but I'll let you know. Wonderful stuff. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time out and having a chat to us. I, I massive respect for, for your commitment, for your passion. I mean, even today, as we were chatting, you, you're sitting uh, in, in, in your house and people are busy removing furniture around you. So uh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I hope we get to chat again. I really do, because I love chatting to people that are inspiring. Um, I'm sure all of the listeners to the education show are going to find what you've had to say uh, inspiring as well. You need to go out and and get those books um, and just start interacting. We touched on something which is called activism. And I think just in terms of that, it's not about violence, not about causing chaos, but it's about standing up and saying, hey, guys, particularly where our children are concerned, this is not working and we want you to fix it. That's what I feel. Jonathan, I'm sure you, you're right there with me. Absolutely, and I look forward to, to talking to you. Uh, talking to, and by the way, a show like yours, you know, people are grasping right now in the dark, literally and figuratively, for, for answers, you know, and for hope and for a sense of things happening around them, because all this not doom and gloom. And there are so many innovators, so many people trying to do good work, not just in education, in health, in business, and so on. And your show is a very important uh, vehicle for communicating uh, along those lines. Wonderful stuff. Well, I'm humbled, and thank you. Uh, Thank you for that, Jonathan. I really do appreciate it. It wraps it up, though, for this edition of The Education Show. My special guest has been Professor Jonathan Janssen, um, an absolute treasure trove of information and uh, nice guy too. I'm so looking forward to us. We're going to write, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to see if we can uh, spend some more time in the future chatting with Professor Jonathan Janssen. Jonathan, thank you. Have yourself a great day. I hope the move goes smoothly. Thanks, David. Take care. Bye-bye. There we go. As I said, it wraps it up. And uh, what a guest, hey? And to each and every one of you, Take care, look after yourselves, and thank you for listening. That was The Education Show. Simply learn. Join the conversation on zibuza.net. That's Z-I-B-U-Z-A dot net.